Welcome to episode 113 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lepore, I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for watching and listening on whatever platform you are listening to us on. We always appreciate the support from GFP Nation. There really isn't that much going on. In the hockey world right now, but that doesn't matter because the GFP podcast is always here. You can always rely on us for our takes, our thoughts, our analysis on everything <laughs> going on with the Leafs, everything happening around the NHL. There was some sad news to report this week in Leafs Nation. The passing of Rodion Amarov and Leafs legend Bobby Bond. We are going to get into Leafs Senators talk. And then we also might discuss the retirement of David Krejci and where the Bruins stand heading into this upcoming season. So we have a lot to get to, but before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. My voice cracked there. What the hell? Whatever. Horrible. How are you doing before? What's going on? Horrible. Where's the sound editor? Get him in here. Uh, (laughs) Anthony Bruno, as always, happy to be here. Episode 113. You know, Bruno, number 13 is a lucky one for me. Uh, Those whose last names end in vowels know that 13 is a lucky number in Italy. Uh, My wife was born on December 13th. We were married on July 13th. And most importantly of all, Matt Sandin wore number 13. Very excited to get going today, Bruno. You said it's a dog days of summer. We got nothing to talk about, but I don't know. You seem pretty pumped in that intro. You must be having a good day. It's sunny in Woodbridge, Ontario today. It is very sunny in Woodbridge, nice. Ontario. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, Lapore. I know it is the dog days of summer in the NHL, but it's like I said, man, it doesn't mean that we can't be fired up for another pod because yeah. sometimes our best pods are the ones where we think we have nothing to talk about and then it spirals out of control and suddenly we're talking about Mitch Marner and his wedding on Niagara-on-the-Lake and how (laughs) much money we would put in his Busta and things like that. So I'm excited for this one. Awesome. All right. Let's jump right into this, Lepore. So as I mentioned off the top of the show, very sad week in Leafs Nation. Rodion Amarov, who the Leafs selected in the first round, 15th overall in the 2020 draft. There was so much hype around this guy in an era that the Leafs needed as much young and cheap talent as possible because they've been so good every year and they've traded away first round picks and they haven't had a full stable of picks because of how good the team is, right? And it was just, people were so excited about this kid and it's just so, so unfortunate He passed away due to a brain tumor. I mean, just terrible news. Like when I saw the news on my phone, I just, I couldn't believe it because honestly, to be honest, Lepore, like I thought he had been improving. Like Mm -hmm. from the last reports that we heard, it was that, you know, not that things were exceptionally better than they were previously, but we didn't hear a lot. We thought that he was improving. And then all of a sudden you hear this unfortunate news and it's just terrible for his family, for the Leafs, for Leafs Nation. I mean, it's just it's just horrible. There's no other way to put it. And then on top of that, another punch to the gut, Leafs legend Bobby Bond, who scored the overtime winner in Game 6 of the 1964 Stanley Cup Final on a broken leg, also passing away, Bobby Bond mm-hmm. at the age of 86. So, I mean, just a, just a terrible week in Leafs Nation from that perspective. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, Rodion Amarov one. 
Uh, the only way to describe this, uh, what's occurred is gross. I felt gross when I got the alert on my phone. Uh, and this is not a hockey story. This is a life story. Somebody lost a son. Someone may have lost a boyfriend. Someone may have lost a brother. Some individuals lost a good friend. So prayers go out to uh, his family and friends. Just a terrible situation. And again, gross is the only way to put it. You have this kid and it doesn't make it more significant that he was a hockey player, but it's just going to spread more because he was a hockey player and wheels are going to be turning with regard to the life this kid would have lived coming to North America and being a professional hockey player. So sad, sad news. Like I honestly can't think of worse news we've gotten as Leafs fans since, since I've been a Leaf fan, to be honest. Um, they wear a patch. What do you think? Leafs wear a patch, at least for one night they got to, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think they're going to honor, honestly, both of these players on opening night. And I, I mm. remember back, to last season on opening night when they were doing the player intros and they brought Amarov onto the bench. Yeah. And he got an incredible ovation, a smile from ear to ear on his face. He just seemed so positive. And that's what everyone's been saying about him is just how positive and how courageous he was throughout the entire fight. And mm. I'm sure the Leafs, you know, they obviously had information that maybe things were progressing and they were worse than, than people thought. And obviously the public didn't know what was going on. And that's why it was so shocking. But all you heard from whether it was Kyle Dubis or current players on the team or Brendan Shanahan is just how positive and courageous this kid was during the whole thing. Yeah. They'll, they'll do the whole night for sure. And I asked about the patch. I think that's a slam dunk as well. Uh, someone actually even brought up, I forget what number he wore. It slipped my mind because he wore a random number in a preseason game. And someone uh, I follow suggested that they retire the number. Um, usually in professional sports, when an active player passes away, the number is retired or it happens quite often. So I don't think anyone would be opposed to that if I'm being perfectly square. But nothing's going to make us feel better about this. It's just let's hope the Leafs do the right thing, and we all know they will, and this thing gets the respect it deserves. Yeah, 100%. And then looking at Bobby Bond, it's funny because every time I think of Bobby Bond, I just I think of my dad and his okay. era. Like okay. the amount of times he's brought up Bobby Bond to me over the last like 15, 20 years because that era and that generation of Leaf fans, like, they are still grasping on to the 60s. And obviously the last time the Leafs won the cup was in 1967 and Bobby Bond. And like I mentioned, in 64 on a broken leg scores the OT winner in game six to force a game seven. The Leafs end up winning the Stanley Cup. And I mean, I wish uh, the current team had that same type of heart Yeah, that Bobby Bond did scoring an OT winner on a broken leg. Unbelievable. Yeah, look me in the face and tell me. I'm going to go all nostalgia, old man here. Look me in the face and tell me that current sports is as good as it used to be. It is absolutely not. Bobby Bond, was it his fibula he broke? Or what, what, what did he break? Something? I believe it was his ankle, technically. So, okay, so guy break. Think of this story altogether. He blocks a shot from Gordy Howe, okay? has to leave, comes back, and then scores the overtime winner. What a story. Like, that's a book on its own, and I'm sure books have been written. Um, 
legend man boomer and you mentioned the first thing you think of i think of that classic photo of him with those big blue leather mitts wrapped around the stanley cup and leafs legend no doubt about it four cups as you said that big overtime goal boomer boom boom amazing yeah incredible and i think both players will be honored this season and whether you know the leafs wear patches on their sweater or they have a a nice ceremony on opening night. I'm sure the organization will go um, to great lengths to honor the lives and careers of both of these players. So rest in peace to both Rodion Amarov and Bobby Bond. Terrible news in Leafs nation. Yeah. But um, yeah, at this point you could just, all you can do really is pray for their friends and family. And, um, and, you know, we move forward and we, and we get excited now about the upcoming season and obviously keep them in our thoughts. So yeah, let's do it for them. Let's do it for them. Exactly. It's time for a quick break because today we're here with a sponsor for your bouncing bundle of joy. No, we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about your baby makers. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. But just like babies, your delicate little guys have sensitive skin and deserve products that are not only skin safe, but made with safe ingredients. That's where Manscaped's Platinum Package comes in. From razors to shower care, this package goes above the gold standard for your body hair. So treat your beautiful boys to the world's finest toys at manscaped.com using our exclusive code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore Manscaped just doesn't miss. They do not miss Anthony Bruno. And let's face it, when you're taking care of your baby makers, you want to use quality products. Take some time, look at the Manscaped labels, and you will see it's all A-plus ingredients. Some of these other companies, it's an absolute fucking encyclopedia of shit that's put in there. You do not want to put that on your boys. You want to make sure your boys can swim. So go ahead, manscaped.com. Use the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. If you're not treating yourself to some Manscaped products, I don't know what the hell you're doing because you're going to look good, you're going to feel good, and you're going to play good by going to manscaped.com and using our code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Go to manscaped.com, use code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. You will not be disappointed. You want to know who makes the world's best men's training gear? 10,000. And they make the only training shorts you'll ever need. I am wearing a complete outfit right now from 10,000. From the shirt <laughs> to the shorts. You can do anything in this outfit and their clothes, okay? Whether you're running errands or working out, which I use it for. I mean, it is phenomenal to work out especially in these shorts, doing squats and deadlifts and bench press. Ah, feels phenomenal. Lapore, I mean, this might be the best training outfit that I've ever worn in my life. Yeah, your boy Lapore is a big snob when it comes to swag and workout clothes. And I've spent a lot of money on that, uh, that realm of my closet. And I've been disappointed many times, but I will say, this is the best stuff I've ever seen. It is fully, fully, fully worth the price. Unbelievable products. I put the shorts on, Bruno, and it kind of caught me off guard. Like they had the interval shorts have those tights in them. I put them on. I was like, oh, what's that? And 
I thought maybe the tights would get all bunched up and uncomfortable. No, fit the leg perfect. As I wore them throughout my workout and my run, stayed perfect. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. It's great to have them as a partner with the GFP podcast because we love having quality products. And everyone, go to their website. Use the promo code GFP. Get yourself that discount. Yeah, and like not only does it feel amazing to train in the in the shirt and the shorts and like I said, run errands, but you also look amazing. Okay. Yeah. Like they got the nice, they gave me the nice gray shirt, the red training shorts. I mean, it just feels so good. And you know what? You're probably gonna lift more weight for those of you who are into weight training. You know what? Okay, maybe I shouldn't guarantee it, but I have a pretty good, I'm pretty confident that you're gonna lift more weight. What I'll guarantee is 10,000 gear. What I'll guarantee is that even if you're not lifting more weight, you're gonna look awesome at the gym. I'll and that's all that, that matters. That's all that matters. Let, let, let's be real. That's all that matters. All right. So if you're looking to upgrade your training gear, go to 10,000.cc and yes. use the promo code GFP for 15% off your entire order. That's 10,000.cc using code GFP to get 15% off your entire order. Let's talk about uh, the Ottawa Senators, Lepore. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I love now. talking about the Senators because I think I've developed a reputation as a Sens hater. And I mm. wouldn't classify myself as a Sens hater, <laughs> to be honest. I think I'm just very critical of them because I expect more out of them. And really? Okay. I, I think I think they've been getting a pass, honestly, for the amount of times that they've missed the playoffs consecutively. Like, I've gone over this countless times. Brady Kachuk, I believe, is entering year six. Mm. Thomas Shabbat now has been around for over a half decade. You know, Claude Giroux is on the roster. Batherson, Norris. I mean, Norris was injured last year, but but go down the list. Like, this team has talent, and their core has been in place. Like, even Tim Stutzla, he's going into, what, year four now? Yeah, year four. Like, the entire yeah. core is signed. They have all these guys under contract, and they still can't make the playoffs. And maybe that's going to happen this season, but uh, there was some news from the Senators this week. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go through some notes um, from this article. So, head coach DJ Smith, um, and this is, this is all per TSN, he was talking about the inner competition being key to the Senators snapping their playoff drought. And here's what he said. All right, I'll just set the stage. He said, I think the biggest thing is the inner competition. We don't just have one or two top forwards or defensemen. We have guys that can take another spot on any given day. The job of the coach is to recognize who's going and put them on the ice when they're going. That's how we feel we can get ourselves over the hump is that inner competition among the team. He then went on to say the biggest thing for us is we have to be healthy. If we're healthy, we're going to be a really competitive hockey team, especially with Josh, referring to Josh Norris. He said, we're a completely different team with Josh in the lineup. So, I don't know, man. It's just like, how many excuses do we need for this team, Lepore? They, they have so... And now they have Chikrin. Like, I mean... Tarasenko. Tarasenko, who they signed yeah. as a free agent. It's like, my goodness, if this team cannot get close to a playoff spot and listen, I know they were close to a playoff spot last year. They finished with 86 points, but it's like, if they can't get in this year, 
DJ Smith is definitely getting fired. And oh yeah, there's going to be heads that are rolling in that organization. Um, but I'll turn it over to you now because I know that you are Mr. Ottawa. You are Stop Mr. Boots on the ground that. in Ottawa. They are secretly your second favorite team in the league. Oh. I don't care how many times you have to deny this. I know low you blow. have a soft spot for the Senators and you low-key low blow, really love this team. So what are your thoughts on these comments from DJ Smith? I totally know what DJ is talking about because you hear often, I think Shanahan referred to it as well when the Leafs were re- rebuilding. You have to make it hard to make the team. Like when you have these kids coming up, you can't just give them spots where you have to create competition. And that's why when you'll see teams rebuilding, sometimes they'll, even if they're going to tank it, they bring in vets. And like, say, for example, let's make it about the Leafs, Nylander. That first year, he could have played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they brought in these vets, said, you know what, you go down simmer with the Marlies and we'll go from there. But with regard to the senator situation, I don't really know what DJ Smith is talking about. Like you said, these guys are locked up and this team is set. Sean Daly face off, okay? Line one, Kachuk, Stutzla, Tarasenko. Line two, Giroux, Norris, Batherson. Then you go to line three, Ridley, Greg, Shane Pinto, Dominic Kubalik. Is there any chance someone on the third line can jump in the top six, barring an injury? Not really. The only guy who jumps out to me because he's a winger is Kubalik. Sure. But not really. Who are you dropping though. down, bro? Who are you dropping down, Bruno? Giroux? That's the thing. <laughs> Honestly, I think it just it takes an injury. Like I, I and that's why, like I agree. Like, what is DJ Smith talking about? Where there's going to be all this inner competition? Like the roster up front, at least, seems completely set. Yeah, their power play, all that. I mean, they had a great power play last year. I don't think anyone's moving out of there. Then you get to the fourth line: Matthew Joseph, Mark Kastelik, Zach McEwen. I mean, maybe you have some up and downs there. Um, if we went over the uh, the Belleville Senator situation and see what they have coming up. But this team is set and it is absolutely time for this team. And it's one of those things where I want the Senators to have a good season. And what I mean by that is I don't want Corpusalo to get injured and miss 50 games. I don't want one of their big forwards to get injured or something stupid happen. I want them just to have a healthy season, I guess is what I'm saying. And DJ Smith referred to that because I want them to get a fair shot because this the city deserves it. Ha ha ha. Leafs fans, Sens fans, we go to each other's throats. There's a lot of big Sens fans in this city and they are dying, Bruno, dying for a competitive team. Okay. And this team has been through shit. When I say that, I mean, your organization has been through shit and their fan base is stuck with them. At least some of them have. So for those people, I'll say bravo. And I hope your team can have a a healthy season. It's just so black and white with me, with the Suns this year, because we met, we talked about the penguins last week after the Carlson trade and it's full stop. This season is a failure if you miss the playoffs by one point. But if you make it by one point, it's like, well, you got in the playoffs. You got back in. Ottawa's in the same boat for different reasons than the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're on their way up and or they hope to be on their way up and the Penguins, I think, are past their prime. But if the Sens don't make the playoffs this year, I don't know. I don't even know what the reaction really is. Like, I don't want to say I don't want to hear the excuse because I people sometimes mistake reasons with excuses. Like people will say, OK, Matthews and Marner both have season ending injuries. Oh, that's an excuse. That's not an excuse. That's a reason why a team would miss the playoffs. And for the Sens, you look at last year where 
they lost Josh Norris was like eight games in. So bang, you, you lose one of your top centers immediately. So there's all the unknown and you do your best to recoup, but that's hard to replace. He was on pace for 40 goals two years ago. So I don't know the reaction. I guess one thing we can point to is, and you mentioned the whole DJ Smith and his situation. And I did see the bookies have him as the first coach fired. Best odds to be the first coach fired. I think because the situationally, if things don't start, yeah, well, it makes sense. A, they get off he, to a slow start. Oh, he's see done. you later, DJ yeah. Smith. Yeah, if, no if more runway for him. If they're like five hundred through like twenty games or something, he's gone. But other than blaming the coach, I don't really know what could be pointed to if they miss the playoffs. Because you can only go with potential for so long. And as you mentioned, Bruno, these guys have been with the team for years. For years. Shabbat, he's a veteran now, man. He's a veteran. Yeah, like he's... I think, do people still think Thomas Shabbat is young? Like, he's no Shabbat... longer a young player. Like, this dude now is 26 years old. And bro, I have to make the point, Shabbat's older than Matthews. That's wild. Yeah, I don't think people people don't think of it that way because of where the Sens are at. Here you have this team. They and again, they've done good things. They've done great things. They they got their hands on Trick Chikrin. They brought in Giroux. Okay, now they signed Tarasenko. This team has to make the playoffs because here I am. And I'll be neutral on this as a hockey fan who watches a lot of hockey. I look at this roster and talk to high-end hockey people, Lexus and O's people, this team, I don't, I won't know what to say. If they like, Oh, what's the move? I don't know. What the, I don't know what the move is like, run it back, run it back. Hope these kids or kids quote unquote, continue to get better. Cause in most cases it's cut and dry with teams. This has to be done. And I sense fans will blame the coach or some fans will just blame the coach if they and they get to a slow start and watch they'll do what they do every year where if they do get off to a slow start they'll make a charge at the end to kind of make it interesting and then people will be pumped for next year again oh and point to certain things and point to whatever they have to point to but for the people i know and love in this city who are ottawa senators fans and i know a few season ticket holders who are kind enough to take me to many many games the Sens have to make the playoffs, man. They have to. Just to follow up on your note of Thomas Shabbat being older than Austin Matthews. So they are technically born in the same year, but Shabbat is nine months older than Austin Matthews. He was born yeah. in January, whereas yeah. Matthews is a September baby. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty wild when you put it in that context because Shabbat, you know, people view him as like, ah, he's this young defenseman. He hasn't totally entered his prime yet. This dude's been around now for a long time. Hasn't made the playoffs once. Brady Kachuk has not made the playoffs once. The Senators now have missed the playoffs six years in a row. Yeah. Have not yeah. been in the playoffs since they lost to the Penguins in the conference final in 2017. The year Eric Carlson put the team on his back. They got to do it, man. <laughs> like, there's really no excuse at this it. point. I don't know what else to say. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, I've been very vocal about this team and their and their lack of success. And I know, like, it didn't work out with Debrinket, But as you said, they brought in Tarasenko and even Jonas Corposalo and Net, who they locked up to a long-term deal. Like, how about if that doesn't go well? Oh, jeez. You know who they had on their roster was Philip yes. Gustafson, oh. who is unbelievable. 
for the Minnesota oh, Wild last season. Yeah. And, you know, they just decided they're going to trade him. I don't know why they made that decision. But anyway, now they're turning to Corpusalo, who did look good for the Kings last season. Like, he he had some moments where he looked like the Jonas Corpusalo of old. And listening to, you know, the guys on 32 Thoughts and some other people from around the league, there was all this talk about, like, Corpusalo returning from his injury, and that was affecting his play. And now that he's fully healthy... We're going to see the Corpus Allo of old, but I still think there is a little bit of a question mark there with him. You mm-hmm. never really know with goalies. It's always tough when you sign these guys to like four or five year deals. And, you know, you're just kind of praying that they're good. Like, look what happened with the oil to the Oilers with Jack Campbell. Gross. And I'm not going Horrible. to say that, you know, this is going to happen with Corpus Allo and the Senators, but there is question marks there, man. But yeah, you go up and down this roster. They're a good team. I mean, even mm-hmm. I could admit it. The guy who's known as the number one sends hater <laughs> on hockey YouTube. Like, they're a good team. If they miss the playoffs this year, it'll be absolutely pathetic, absolutely embarrassing, no excuses whatsoever. Heads are going to roll. It's funny because we look at the Leafs as like, oh, this team that keeps failing year after year. The Leafs have made the playoffs every year of the Matthews, Marner, and Nylander era. And the Senators have yet to make the playoffs in the Shabbat, Kachuk, and Tim Stutzle era. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like like I said, it's a good. What what did Corpusalo sign? It was five years, twenty million. Was that the deal? Five years, twenty million. Yeah, it's like that's one of those ones. One thing about Dorian and Senators fans, comment down below what you think of this and how ones have worked in the past and ones have that haven't worked. He gambles. I find he gives these guys term, and he'll put it at a price or he'll present a price that. It's probably lower than market value, but the player's locked in and they get that security. It fell to shit with Colin White. Here's this kid who came up. He looked pretty good and he threw all this money at him. It was a total waste. It looks like with Stutzla, it might end up being one of the best, if not the best contracts in the league in a few years. If he keeps going and this kid can get 100 points, he's a great player. And he did it with Murray. And here he is doing it with Corpusalo. He did it with Batherson. Batherson's worked out pretty well for for his salary so he, he likes giving these like long-term deals like before he's seen a lot or just in a situation where he'll give a player probably more term than he otherwise would have received from another team so like i said sense fans comment down below what these different deals and what you think and funny how little things man how little things can change a franchise. Now, I hate when people go completely back black and white with, oh, if they had this player, if they had that player, things would have been completely different because you don't know how things would have played out, especially with goalies, okay? But here we are talking about the Senators. We look at their team. They have a lot of talent on this team. They're young. From what we saw from Gustafson last season, imagine we were sitting here and we were like, they have a very good young Swedish goalie. It's completely different. Our minds are completely different on how high this team can go. Now, that's not saying they're going to fall to shambles because they made that deal. But it's funny how that move that, I'll say it, in Ottawa doesn't necessarily receive the attention it deserves, if you ask me. But if he was still around and he was and he played last year in Ottawa the way he did play in Minnesota i think the vibe of the team within this city and around the nhl would be very different 
Oh, 100%. Just looking at the numbers from last season, the Senators were 24th in the league in five-on-five save percentage. Ouch. That's bad. And when you look at their five-on-five goal differential, minus 26. They were... They were bad at five on five last year. And obviously some of that has to do with the goaltending. Some of it has to do with the poor, the poor defensive play, if I can speak. And you would, you would think they're going to turn it around. You would think that's going to be better than last season, but obviously last season, as you mentioned, like the power play was unreal. So, and it was like, you would think the power play is going to continue to be good. So if the power play picks up, where it left off from last season and they can get better goaltending and clean up the five on five play. You would think this team is going to be closer to 90 ish points is going to be close to that wild card spot and maybe finish third in the division. But I think that is like the absolute ceiling for this team is either the wild card and maybe third in the Atlantic division. Okay. So what odds would I have to give you for you to lay a bet on the sense to get a hundred points? Oh man, to get a hundred points. Let me think about that for a second. Like, I like I'll I like I don't think they're getting a hundred points. So maybe I don't think many people do. But I just want to see how much of a long shot you think it is. I think maybe. Ooh, that I mean that's tough, man. I would maybe put it at seven to one. Okay, I was gonna say six to one, like okay. something like that. Seven to one that that team would get a hundred points. I think I take that bet. This <laughs> is a seven seven to one. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's 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 decent value, right? It's it's worth a shot. Yeah, they got what, all the talent. So I, you, I just I just can't see this team making a fourteen point leap when they really have. I mean, really, the changes are. I mean, there are there there are some solid changes here. Tarasenko, Corpusalo, to bring it out. Norris ba- or back. not Batherson, but uh, Norris back to full health. A full year of Chikrin, hopefully. A full if he year can, of Chikrin. If so. he can stay healthy. Under like underrated band-aid player, Jacob Chikrin. Oh, such man. a band-aid. I I, I roster this guy in fantasy hockey every year, and he's oh, out man. half the season. Just a yeah, disaster. You, I, I don't want to say I take pleasure in the demise of others, but it's more the whole perspective about Chikrin because you see all these videos and photos and information about he like eats like super weird. Like he's one of those guys who like eats liver every day. Yeah, he's like the Tom Brady of the NHL. Yeah, and then they sh- they show him in the gym, and he's like got he's doing his goblet squats. Way more jacked than Tom Brady, I should say. I'm referring more to their diet. Yeah, well, I have a better physique than Tom Brady, so it doesn't say much, <laughs> Anthony Bruno. But so here's this guy training like crazy, and I remember it was so funny. I forget who responded to it because they, they they went on this big rant about his training and what he does to his body and his diet, this and that. And someone posted the picture of Phil Kessel with the Stanley cup and the hot dogs and said, yeah, but this guy has got the Iron Man streak going. And I just, I love that. I love that because I really do think it in professional sports, especially in hockey, people overthink that stuff. So I hope the guy has a healthy season. I just kind of, I find it kind of ironic that he's this guy who's like super committed to his body and his diet, but he's hurt all the time. Yeah, he he needs to find a way to stay healthy. I mean, really, it's a lot of guys on that team that need to find a way to stay healthy because if this team stays healthy, and again, if you would think they're gonna, they should easily be like a ninety-plus point team. But yeah. who knows? We we've seen situations 
that have blown up and you think a team appears good on the surface, just looking at their roster and then things just don't work out. So, I mean, I still think they're a bubble team, but we'll see how it plays out. Lepore. Um, let's, uh, let's now bring the Leafs into this discussion. Why not? <laughs> so we were talking before the show. You want to bring up the tweet that we were discussing before the show? Sure. Big head hockey on Twitter. I always say great follow. If you're a hockey geek, they thought they would put out there and very strategically because I knew people would click, people would comment, people would respond. Which decor of the two Ontario teams is superior? The Ottawa Senators, which boasts Thomas Shabbat, Chikrin, Sanderson, Zoo, Branstrom, and Hamannick, and or the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they had uh, the Buds listed with Riley, Brody, McCabe, Klingberg, Giordano, and Timothy Lilligren. So, Mr. Sens hater Anthony Bruno, I will throw it over to you. Who's got the better top six of the two teams in the province of Ontario? My answer might surprise people by the way that I'm gonna frame this, but here's what I here's what where I'll start. The Senators, I would argue, have just as much talent on the blue line as the Leafs do. Like when you just look at individual talents, right? Like Thomas Shabbat. And let's say you're comparing Shabbat to Riley. I think Riley's a better player, but Shabbat is a guy who's been in the mix for Team Canada. He can put up points. He can play on the power play. Jacob Chikrin, ton of talent. Sanderson, very young, talented player. Zub. High ceiling. Same thing with Zub. He's like the gritty. He hits. He he blocks shots. He can do a bunch of things. He's Brody is what he is. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I would argue that he's like a a tougher version of TJ Brody. I want to say Brody's not tough, but Zub will throw his weight around more than Brody will. Right. And then on the, you know, on their third pair, Branstrom and, and Travis Hamannick. And I mean, I mean, Hamannick's not great, but he's a serviceable third pairing defenseman. So I would argue, honestly, like talent wise, it's pretty similar, but Lapore, I'm going with the Leafs all day long and I'm just basing it on the numbers. Like the Leafs have been so much better defensively than this team over the last number of years. And I know the Leafs have this reputation as this high flying offensive team, but under Sheldon Keefe, like they have been really solid defensively. And even when you look at a metric, like um, expected goals against at five on five last season, like the Leafs were, where did they finish here? Actually, the poor, you want to know what's crazy. Oh, expected God, what? goals against at five on five. This is according to natural stat trick. The Leafs, finished 11th okay and the senators actually finished 10th whoa there you go bruno which could indicate that as we said it was really the goaltending that that sunk that team last season sorry Um, that sorry bruno what was this exact description of the stat again that's five on five expected goals against yeah expected goals against at five on five so it wasn't actual goals against okay like when you look at Actual goals against at five on five. The Leafs were fourth in the NHL and the Ottawa Senators were 21st in the NHL. Yeah. So it, it looks like when you look at expected goals against, like the Senators deserved better than what happened to them last year at five on five. Mm-hmm. Even if I sort for rates, um, like expected goals against, or I should say goals against per 60. Um, like I said, Leafs fourth. Senators finished 25th. 
and then even expected goals against per 60, Leafs were 10th and Senators were 17th. So you know, you know what, Bruno? Let's flip it around. Like this isn't the discussion specifically, but okay. look up expected goals for. Okay. Because if the send like the sends, if they had great numbers or very, you know, pretty solid numbers defensively, five on five. For them to be as low as they were, I mean, they couldn't score five on five or they couldn't create. So expected goals for at five on five, the Leafs finished seventh in the NHL last season. Okay. And the Senators finished 16th. Yeah. Okay. So average there. Okay. Yeah. So the, the goaltending and the goaltending thing is something to do with it. Um, Yeah. You know what? If I'm being perfectly objective, Bruno, I look at the six guys. Okay. And I know Leafs fans right now are screaming for the Leafs and Senators fans are screaming for the Sens. I think it's a pretty good debate. It is. It's <laughs> I, closer I re- than people realize. I, I really do because like there are some guys, let's say here I am the Leafs. There's guys I would take out of my six, kind of like the equivalent guys. If we if we listed them one to six head to head that I would take out and insert. Um I wouldn't trade Riley for Shabbat. Full, full no, stop. no. I, I wouldn't trade Riley for Shabbat. Riley's then, a dog. And then you go down from there. The issue with the Sens here is, and like speaking of underlying numbers, uh, anyways, my opinion, it's their defensive play as a whole. Like people yes. say, pe- people will say, okay, this team allows a lot of goals. Well, their defense must be bad. Or there's a team that does not allow very many goals. And people say, oh my God, look at their defense. But it's a system. It's a team. And where Toronto is far superior their forwards and their defensive play people talk about guys like austin matthews and mitch marner and how many points they put up and this and that they are their underlying numbers are very very strong when they are on the ice the puck is in the other end and people aren't going to want to hear this even nylander's not terrible his five-on-five numbers aren't terrible. Just the camera always goes on him every time they get scored on, so people think he is. I mean, he's not Matthews or Marner, but there are players a hell of a lot worse than William Nylander defensively, five-on-five. And maybe the Sens fans don't want to hear this one, but again, underlying numbers, Brady Kachuk's defensively, five-on-five are bad. Stutzla's are bad. They're getting Norris back, and he was a little better. He was better than them. I, I saw some data from when he was healthy that five on five, he was one of the better players on the team. But even going back to last year, like DeBrinket is an absolute joke, five on five. Absolutely terrible. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Batherson win the green jacket? At one point, he was like a minus 35 or something. Just something I'm terrible. I'm going to see where he finished at. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, he finished, yeah, he finished as a minus 35 in okay. 82 games last year. Is that dead last? Here, I'll... I'm just laughing because I'm so, sorry, Sense fans. That's just terrible. I didn't even know he was that bad. And oh, yeah, again, and to, plus minus and everything. Like, take it with a grain of salt. But you know uh, what? Though, okay, Bruno? no, he did not win the green jacket. He got close. He finished fifth. Okay. Andrew Peak from uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman finished with a minus 41 and uh, runner up. Actually, T2, Seth Jones, 38 under. And Jordan Cairo from the Blues also finished at 38 under par for the uh, the infamous green jacket of the NHL. Was, ba- was Batherson the worst forward then? Batherson, 
No, so Cairo oh, and, Kairu. and I'm Thomas sorry. Hurdle yeah. I'm dumb. were both ahead yeah. of Batherson. So Batherson was okay. the third worst forward in terms of plus minus in the NHL last season. Okay. Well, and even Debrinket. Debrinket's there somewhere on the list, too. Yeah, Debrinket is 12th. He finished minus 31. This is going to be funny. Where was Tarasenko? <laughs> Good question. Um, let's see if I can find him on the first page here. Uh, it looks like I don't see him on this first okay. page here. Let me just so that, go actually search his name here. So they, they made a good trade then. The thing is with five on five, and people are always so quick to say. Oh, sorry, Laporte, he was a plus. Five. He was a plus. Oh, my God, Laporte. He was a minus 14 last year. Okay. Well, minus so, 14. On a bad team, whatever. Yeah. You made the point. Yes. Plus minus is not the be all end all. Everybody knows that. But what I like to look at is a player's plus minus compared to the rest of their team. If you have a random guy who is a terrible plus minus, well, it's not just a coincidence that he always happens to be on the ice when something bad happens. There's a reason for that. And on the opposite, you'll see it. You look up a, a, a random bad team during the season and everyone's like minus 10, minus 15, minus 12, minus 20. And then there's one random guy who's like plus four. It's like, well, he's obviously doing something right. Right. So plus minus is bullshit, but I think analytically it can be used. And to me, like this whole topic is the, this is the question of the send season. This is the question of the send season. And this is the ticket to their success. Improved five on five play from their forwards who are paid a lot of money, a lot of money. And they're getting older. Sometimes guys settle down and their play matures as they get older. But one thing I always find interesting is when people talk about defensive play, especially among forwards, they simply attribute it to effort. And effort is obviously a big part of it. You got to skate your ass off if you want to be good in the NHL in your own end. But I think people sometimes forget that there is a real and true talent to playing defensively, just like there's a talent for playing offensively. And certain people just don't have it, right? I'll I'll flip it around. If we take a third liner in the NHL who has never broken 12 goals, are we just going to say, oh, if he works harder, he's going to be a 25, 30 goal scorer? No, he doesn't have the talent. Just like a lot of guys who come off as terrible defensively, why can we then say, oh, if he tries harder or people blame the coach for, for defensive play? Now, I'm not saying the Sens will not get out of this. Because they're still young. They're still a young team. And maybe a finger can be pointed at DJ. But that's what I'll be watching all year. I'll be. I'll say it. I'll see a send score. I Win or lose, I will click on it. And I will see the five-on-five five numbers. Goals for, goals against. Because their power play was great last year. And I remember noticing myself. You have to go back to how many games to actually uh, have a true analysis okay, the Sens win 4-2, and then you click on it, while well, they went 3-5 for five on the power play. It's like, well, yeah, good for you. You went 3-5 for five on the power play, but you can't be relied on. Yeah, how sustainable is that? Other it, than the Edmonton Oilers, who just have, like, the greatest power play in the history of the league, and yeah. have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that seems sustainable year after year, but with the Senators... Yeah. I mean, they got a lot of talent, but yeah, you can't be relying on that, especially when you're a team that's missed the playoffs six years in a row. Yeah, it's just at the end of the day, it, it's it's math. If you have if you're 25 percent, you're an elite power play. Well, you're not going to get 12 power plays a game to get your three goals when you when you do have a night where you go, you know, 
two for four or three for five or four for six, who knows? Yeah, you're going to win, but you can't just rely on your power play to get you out of trouble. Speaking of McDavid and we'll move on. Someone posted something from his, uh, one of his practices and he was doing what's called, uh, everyone's seen it. It's called pep power edge pro where the players, they do those drills and they're going like over and under those little instruments, stick handling. So I'm because of my nephew, I'm around rinks a lot. And, you know, I'll often check to see like what else is going on in the arena, like in the, on the other ice surfaces. And quite often I'll be at Senseplex and I'll be, or I'll be at a hockey Academy near here. And there's like NCAA guys, AHL guys, even occasional uh, guys who do play in the NHL or guys playing in Europe. And I see them doing these drills. Okay. I saw this footage of McDavid doing it. So like I'm seeing super elite players do these drills and they look fantastic. It's ridiculous how good they are. It's not even fair to say that McDavid's on another planet. He is in another stratosphere. Like there's some galaxy that we're unaware of. That's like a billion light years away. That's where Connor McDavid is. Because like I, I see these guys and people are saying, well, obviously he's better than a KHL player or a college player. Of course he is. Of course he is. But they're like when you watch, when I watch them do these drills compared to that photo just all of McDavid, they're not even playing the same sport. It's even bigger. Of course, I would have known that it was a huge improvement, but it is far more, far more than I even I would have expected. Yeah, and I don't think McDavid gets enough credit for like his strength and athleticism. Crazy. And just like he's just a really good athlete. And I don't know, you know, like for example, Matthews, I know like growing up, he played baseball as well. He was like a really good baseball player. I'm not exactly sure what other sports McDavid was good at, but I would imagine that he's probably really good at at least one other sport. He's just like so explosive, so twitchy. Yeah, I mean, it's it like is. you said, he's from a, he's on, he's from a different planet. The way that he stick handles and moves with the puck, and it's insane. Yeah, is he the best team sport athlete right now? Uh, honestly, he. Probably is. He's like right up there. Like maybe there's a debate. There is a debate. And, you know, like you got like Patrick Mahomes. But the thing with Mahomes, right? Like he doesn't play defense. So it's almost like you got to like take quarterbacks out of it because like they can't play both <laughs> sides of the ball. I mean, it's not like McDavid Ohtani. is playing in net. But yeah, the other, I think it would be Shohei Otani because obviously he's an incredible hitter. He's a great pitcher. He's like a Cy Young caliber pitcher and an MVP level hitter. Yeah. So I think Otani has top spot, but McDavid's got to be like right below him in second place, I think. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, that's a debate. So, Lapore, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Leafs are going to be better than the Senators <laughs> this upcoming is. season. <laughs> there it is. But uh, one question I want to pose to you, and I brought this up right off the top of the show, is, is the Boston Bruins, David mm-hmm. Krejci just announced his retirement. So Krejci's gone. Bergeron's gone. Are the Senators going to be better than the Bruins? Because the way the sports books have it at this point, they still think that the Bruins are better than the Senators. And like the Bruins are a team that could be fighting for that third spot in the Atlantic division. Right? So it's like they could be, they could very well be fighting with this Senators team. Like right now, you always you always say this to me. Briefcase of a million dollars. <laughs> people finish with it. more points next season. Boston or Ottawa? 
Fuck, I think I go Ottawa, man. And wow. this is the thing. So here's the thing. I'll I'll lay it out there. I've been believing in the Bruins this offseason. Everyone counting them out. They lose this guy. They lose that guy. I've been believing in them. But what I felt what I felt guilty uh to was the brand that is the Boston Bruins. And you see this all the time uh in sports betting, where you see a team that's a big brand get odds that either are way too good or way too bad because like all the media around bad things that are happening. And I'm a big Notre Dame, Notre Dame football fan. Okay. I've been to South Bend many times to watch games. Let me tell you, if you want to make money, bet against Notre Dame, play the spread and bet against Notre Dame every week because, because they're Notre Dame, especially when they're playing at home, they're favored by at least a touchdown more than they should be. You'll see these games where it's like they're favored by like 28. I'm like, yeah, we're better than that team. It's on four, but it's on four touchdowns, right? And I think the Bruins, for me, I felt guilty of that. I was like, you know, it's the Bruins. They'll be good. They'll be good. They'll be good. And then the news comes out that it was official. Bergeron retires. And then the news comes out official that Krejci is now gone. Okay. So I go on a natural stat trick and look at their forward group. Bruno. Are you ready for this? Okay, like we I've just went over the Sens. Ready. You know what? You go head to head, Bruno. You said going head to head. We just went over the Sens D and the Sens forwards. Okay, the Boston Bruins line one: JVR, Pavel Zaka, David Pasternak. Line two: Marchand, Coyle, and DeBrusque. Then you move down. You got Lauko, Geeky, and Frederick. And the fourth line is Milan Lucic, Jesper Bockfist, and AJ Greer. Yeah, this Full team stop. this team on paper kind of stinks. They suck, Bruno. They suck. But what's like, crazy, I... Lapore, is that the sports books do not view this in the same light. Like I'm looking right now at Pinnacle Sportsbook and odds to win the Eastern Conference. Carolina number one, Leafs number two, Devils number three, Bruins number four. The Senators That's the playoffs of the regular season. I should say no, no, no. This is to win the Eastern Conference and get to the Stanley, Stanley Cup, final. Cup final. Okay. Senators are ninth. Like, how are the Bruins still the fourth favorite to win the Eastern Conference? I'm trying to think. Even like, seriously, Tampa. Like, look at the Tampa's lineup. Like, like, I just listed the guys for the Bruins. Tampa? They have them better? No way, man. It's no it's way. Crazy. It's Maybe crazy. we're this wrong. I don't understand. You look at other sports books, even like to win the Atlantic Division. Like, the Bruins are still one of the favorites to win the Atlantic Division after the Leafs. Like, the Leafs are the betting favorite. But it's just it's just crazy to me. It's like you go look at a bunch of different books, and it's like they're still priced as if they're a good team. I, again, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned this on the last pod. I think the Bruins are kind of like in that New York Islanders territory now where they're just going to win by committee, play strong defensively, get good goaltending. But when you look at the talent on that roster, and especially down the middle at center ice, the team kind of stinks. So yeah. I, I don't know, man. I I I, I still think Boston is going to finish ahead of the, the Senators. I think they're going to find a way, but I'm not very confident about it. Oh, God. Really? You put, you put, oh, Bruno. I, I honestly, it, I think they're going to finish like one or two points ahead of Ottawa. Like that's how close I think it is. Yeah. And then you get to nickel and diming, like injuries, yeah. shootout, shootout wins and losses, that stuff. But Bruno has the Boston Bruins finishing out of the Ottawa Senators. I do not. I love it when we disagree on the GFP podcast. Fun stuff. I'm probably just, you know, protecting myself because I live in this city. I don't want to get slapped upside the head with a baseball bat walking down the street with all the uh, passionate Senators fans. 
but I'm being straight. I think the Sens finish ahead of the Bruins. Laporte, we just need to stay on brand, all right? And we're perfectly on brand. I have the Leafs and Bruins finishing ahead of the Senators. You have the Leafs finishing ahead of the Senators, but the Bruins finishing behind the Senators. So we're both yeah. on brand. Senators fans still like you. They still hate me, and we will just move forward from there. Okay. But all right. is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? Again, we we go over these divisions. We go over the league right now, and there's there's a lot of guesses going on as to where teams are going to be and and gaps. I mean, like you look at a team like the Bruins. We can spend an hour talking about where the Bruins are going to be, what they're going to do. People could have opinions. The Vegas books have them as a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference, and here here we are saying they're shit, right? And who are we? But we're going to give our opinions and call it how we see it. So, man. I said it before and I'll say it again. This upcoming season is going to be awesome when it comes to being able to predict it because I don't have a lot of predictions I'm confident in right now, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the Eastern Conference is going to be so fascinating because Pittsburgh missed last year, Washington, the Senators and the Sabres are better. The Red Wings are better. The Bruins appear to be worse, but it seems like we're missing something because they're priced as if they're still good. So it's going to be really fascinating what happens with Tampa and Florida. Yes. We yeah, all know awesome. the Leafs are going to win the Atlantic division. That's just the lock of the century. <laughs> but yeah. we'll see what happens with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for episode 113. The second Matt Sundin episode of the GFP mm. podcast. I just want to mention Matt Sundin and my mother share the exact same birthday. Let's go. February 13th. Just incredible. You know yeah. that the Sundin jersey is the only Leaf jersey that I own? What? Yeah, that's the only Leaf jersey I own. Number 13, Matt Sundin. Okay. I know you have like 75 Leaf jerseys, but that is the one Leaf jersey I own. I'm not a big jersey guy. I have, three Sundin. I have three Sundin jerseys <laughs> while I, you're you asking have literally me. every jersey the last like hundred years of this franchise. But yeah, well, anyway, that is going to do it for episode episode 113, because if we keep going, Lapore will probably go on for the next 27 minutes on all the jerseys that he has, but we can say, we can do a separate Jersey episode, Jersey collection episode. The fans will, will enjoy that. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we will be here um, as we continue throughout the off season and wait for more news to drop around the Leafs, around the NHL. As always, if you really enjoyed this episode, Um, and you're listening on whether it's Apple or Spotify, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you're watching us on YouTube, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) 